This is the Brew World Order Podcast. Welcome to the Brew World Order Podcast, the podcast where we talk to brewery owners and ask questions about owning a brewery so that future brewery owners can learn a thing or two. I'm Mike Curtin, and if you haven't subscribed yet, well, this is episode 67. Where the hell you been? And speaking of episode 67, this just happens to be it. And in this episode, I sit down with John Falco, owner of Lincoln's Beard Brewing Company in Miami, Florida. John tells me how they came up with the name for his brewery, which is a great story, I might add. What the future looks like for him, his brewery, and his many other shops that he's opened. And he tells us a funny little story about a boyfriend asking his angry girlfriend, what are you doing that's positive right now? My man has obviously never had a girlfriend before because that was probably one of the worst things you could say in that moment. But come to think of it, I'm really proud of you. Because you're doing something that's extremely positive right now. You're listening to John Falco drop some of his sweet knowledge about the brewing industry. And if you're looking to open up your own brewery, then you're in the right spot. Because that's what we do here at the Brew World Order. And another thing we like to do is sit back crack open a beer or two and enjoy the podcast what did you think we were doing john falco was born and raised in miami florida his mother and father had very blue collar jobs and growing up and instilled a great worth ethic in john after graduating high school he would attend florida international university one day he would cross paths with a woman in a blue uniform it piqued his interest so he asked her what she did for a living She told John she was an Air Force officer, and if he was interested in joining, he should speak to Captain John Miller. John did just that, and before he knew it, he was all signed up to enter the Air Force. He would spend seven and a half years working in the Air Force before finally leaving to work for the Defense Intelligence Agency. While working there, he would start to homebrew his own beers. Three to four years into working for the DIA, John decided he wasn't really happy at his job, but he did realize brewing beer brought him joy. He finally had enough and asked five of his co-workers if they wanted to open a bar. When they all agreed, they immediately got to work on making it happen. It would take about two years before they finally opened their doors, but in 2016, they opened up as Lincoln Beards Brewing Company in Miami, Florida. And John is here with me today. John, how's it going, man? Going good, Mike. How you doing? All right. Not too bad. I know I, I heard the story already when I met you in person, but... For the listeners at home, where did you come up with the name for Lincoln's Beard? Because I thought it was a great sure. story. So Yeah, yeah. You know, I always say the short story is it was the name of my fantasy football team, right? But that, that's not the story everyone wants. So right. um, it became the name of our brewery when we, we were kind of, you know, we even did a bracket of different names and we tried to whittle it down to one and that didn't work and feel right. So ultimately I said, hey guys, what about Lincoln's Beard? And I told my staff, excuse me, I told the partnership this story. I said, Lincoln's beard is named after, there was a little girl, little 11-year-old girl named Grace Bettel. This was when, in the 18, late 1800s, when Abraham Lincoln was running for presidency. And she came home one day and she found a little, you know, pamphlet there on her kitchen table, which her father had brought home. And it had, Abraham, I assume, what was a sketch of Abraham Lincoln's face without a beard. Abraham Lincoln without a beard. And I encourage anyone to Google this. Is an interesting looking cat. You know, he's a very weak <laughs> chin. Um, he's just kind of a gangly, weird looking guy. And um, Grace Bettle said, "Oh, you know, that's not going to work." So she took pen to paper and very eloquently, as an 11 year old in the 1800s would have written, 
wrote Abraham Lincoln a letter saying, hey, you should grow your beard out. So because right now you're, you're not looking too hot. You're weak. You're, your chin's a little weak. You should grow your beard out. You'll look a lot better. And women who couldn't even vote at the time will tell their husbands to vote for you. That was her justification. Right. So what we do know, we do know that that letter went to Abraham Lincoln. We know that through historical documents. We know Abraham Lincoln received that letter. We know Abraham Lincoln grew his beard out for whatever reason. I like to think it was from Grace Battle's letter. <laughs> and we, of course, know Abraham Lincoln won the election and went on to do some of the most amazing, uh, perhaps the most amazing things in the history of the United States. So I like to think this, and of course, Abraham Lincoln then um, met with Grace Bettle on his victory tour, if you will, and thanked her for her letter. So this is historically proven. I probably butchered the story a little bit, but um, ultimately, uh, I like to think an 11-year-old girl changed the course of history. So that whole concept of a small spark starting a big fire has always resonated with me. Right, right. And... Um, I thought it'd be a perfect name for a brewery, and it's a very hard name to forget, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So that, yeah, so that's that's really the the origin of the name. Yeah, it's a great story, man. And uh, like I said, yeah, small spark. I like that. Yeah, I like that, man. Yes, sir. What was the exact aha moment for me? I, I knew you said you 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 weren't happy uh, with your job, but what was that aha moment for you where you decided that you wanted to open a brewery? You know. It, it is very benign, and I'm, you know, it's the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. Right. I was in a government paid for commuter van. I was sitting in the back of this van in my uncomfortable shirt and tie. <laughs> and I was, we were just sitting at a light, and I looked over to my left side, and I saw a brand new strip mall. It's not where we opened the bar, it's not where we opened the brewery, but it was a brand new strip mall. And I looked over, and, I, and it was a bunch of vacancy. I looked over, and I said to the guy next to me, who ultimately became one of my partners, I said, you know, we should open a bar there. And he kind of uh, was like, oh, let's do it. So I was like, you know, I'm going to put a business plan together. And that was literally the, the small spark, if you will, to stay on trend here. Um, and, and yeah, and that, that's kind of the story uh, of Lincoln's. Yeah. Awesome. So like yeah. from that moment um, to the moment you finally opened your doors to the public, sure. um, what would you say was the most challenging part for you? Absolutely. 100% the most challenging part for me was getting permitted, getting getting my plans up through the kind of the whole build out and construction process right. was such an unknown for me. And it was so, so challenging. And, and to be honest, even now, even when I now I'm building, we're building out, of, we're lucky enough to be building out a fifth location. Awesome. It's still the most challenging uh, time. It's crazy. You know, I was lucky enough since I had five other partners, um, we were able to get enough money from our savings and whatnot, that, that financial aspect of it wasn't too big of a, a deal. But yeah, the construction was an absolute nightmare. Absolute nightmare. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Um, and you talk about finances. Where did you go about funding the finding the capital to fund your business? So ultimately we ended up we ended up just kind of digging into our pockets and our, our bank accounts, you know, and our savings. I, I gutted my entire savings. Um, and that's really what, uh, how we ended up coming up with capital. Right. Investing in yourself. It's good. Correct. Yes, sir. Yeah. And when, when opening, what's something you never thought you were going to have to deal with ever? Oh man, that's a fantastic question. <laughs> wow. Something I never thought I'd have to deal with. Hey, that's a good, 
you just silenced me, which is a very difficult thing to do. Hey, um, awesome. <laughs> you know, to be a bit a bit somber, I, you know, not necessarily in the brewing world, a little bit in the bartending world, but, um, you know, we have food aspects. And, you know, obviously the kitchen industry is very known, very well known for being an industry where you have folks from many walks of life. Right. Um, and what I have definitely encountered is a lot of individuals that have a history of severe drug use and mental health associated drug use and whatnot. Right. You know, in, in the last six years, we've unfortunately lost two cooks to drug overdoses. Jeez. So I would say certainly the most challenging thing I've faced is that is feeling, you know, and this is obviously this is very egocentric for me to say this because of course they had it much harder than I did. Right. But feeling so helpless to be able to, you know, help these folks. And, and obviously, once they've overdone, these are fantastic people, you know, that are just losing a battle, you know. For sure. Um, so that is certainly it, you know. And that's still something I'm, I'm at a loss. And, and I've worked with organizations, be mental health organizations and, and uh, organizations that provide on the spot, you know, Narcan and whatnot. But that is absolutely the most challenging part of this industry, you know. And, and I see it less of an issue on the bartender side. Bartenders tend to struggle with a little bit of alcohol use. So it's important for us, uh, you know, to find that sweet spot where, you know, obviously it's not our job to be parents to these grown individuals. Right. But where's our responsibility begin and end to make sure there's some level of, you know, of tolerance or, or you know, of uh, not tolerance, excuse me, uh, moderation, and, you know, imposed from our, from our end. That has definitely been the toughest thing for me to deal with, no doubt, no doubt. Interesting. That's the first time I've actually heard that. That's a that's a good point. You know, that's a. But it's nice to be able to lend a hand where you can. You know, they, they are adults, but everybody's got their their struggles, man. You know. Absolutely, absolutely, yes, sir. So what? Yes, sir. What is a quality that you possess that makes you a good business owner? Oh, uh, I, I think I, uh, that's that's a tough uh, question to answer. So I would say the one thing that I do that I think is the most effective is I empower my employees as I don't, you know, I, I, I see this as kind of my, given my history and the things I've done in my life, this is like my second life. You know, it's my, like my second chance in life. I feel like I don't have anything to prove per se. So everything, when I come into work, the one thing that I, that I always want to do is just progress our industry down here. And I'm a 41 year old guy in a very young industry. It's right. not lost on me that, my relevance has a, has a shelf life and it's probably reaching the end of that. So it's so important for me to allow the people that work under me to express themselves in every sense of the word and the way they operate and what they cook and the, the recipes they design, be it beer or food. I, I love letting them do that and letting them run with that. I think that's something that's very difficult. It was difficult for me at first, but it's very difficult for a lot of entrepreneurs to do is to let folks run and let folks take the reins. So that's something I, 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 I've luckily figured out over the years. And I think that's probably my most valuable trade, certainly. Gotcha. Yeah. So I know you were probably hitting your stride and then COVID hit. Um, yeah. So what was that like for your company? Um, and how did you guys go about pivoting and, and making it work for you? Sure. You know, we, we certainly pivoted every way we can, you know, in, in the obvious sense. You know, we started pushing as much takeout as we could. Um, the fact that our food is pizza um, right. really helped because pizza just works for takeout, you know? 
But I think the, the, the biggest thing we did, you know, when it all went down, we all, and everyone was depressed then, of course, but we all looked at each other and we said, listen, our only goal, forget about making money because we're not, we're going to lose our ass. The only goal here is to stay relevant. So when we come out of this thing at the time, we thought it'd come out of it, you know, three months. So yeah, you know, three months when we come out of this thing, now, you know, what, three years, we'll look back, you know, when folks decide to go out again, when folks are comfortable enough to go out again, they're going to come choose us because this is where they picked up their to-go beer. And, you know, this is where, you know, we're the guys that they were seeing on Instagram because we were taking the time to do ridiculous, funny videos, you know, right. just stay relevant, stay in front of people, don't lie down. And that's, that's what we did. And, and, you know, we're certain, certainly reaping the rewards from that now. Yeah. That's awesome. That's definitely a smart idea. I don't, I don't uh, know too many people that kind of said that. I know people kind of just said, oh, we went to canning and this and that. And like, there was a good show of support. But yeah, I, I, you know, that makes a lot of sense. It makes tons of Absolutely. sense, especially when everybody's bunkered down and, and holding yeah. tight. You know, they need a good laugh. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. So since opening, if you could have redone one thing, let's say a lesson learned from a mistake or whatever the case may be, what would that have one thing have been? I would have had more patience. More patience. I would have had more patience. You know, the early years of Lincoln's beard... You'd instill something. You'd say, hey, we're going to do a uh, trivia night on Tuesday. And three weeks later, four weeks later, trivia night's not working how you thought it would, so you change it, and you change it. And the one thing I've realized now is that it takes about – I always use the, I use the time frame six weeks. To me, it takes about six weeks for customers to notice you even did anything. Right. So for them to even show up, it takes about six weeks. Then they don't really know – it's not even a regular thing for them for probably another six weeks. So now you're three, four months into this thing. Now people are starting to resonate. At that point, I've changed four or five things. So now they've got to start the process over. So the one thing that I, I would have done differently is I would have just taken my time. Don't rush things. Take your time. Do it right. Really give it time for um, guests to, to realize you've done it. And uh, that is absolutely the, the, the one thing I would have done different that I'm actually doing now, thankfully. you know. Right. Who do you think's inspired you the most in the brewing industry? I'm sure you've come across many people who have helped you along the way, but who do you think's oh, made the biggest impact for you? Definitely. I feel like I could never repay back what, what those um, locally have done for me. And, and, you know, those six breweries that were here before me, the help they provided me, which was, you know, invaluable help. But the one person that I've really received the most inspiration from Unbeknownst to him is Sam Caligioni out of Dogfish Head. Right. Uh, the yeah. way, yeah, the way he runs things, the way he treats his people, how he keeps quality and and you know being genuine above anything, uh, to me is uh, always been an inspiration to me. You know, and, and I encourage anyone opening any business, but certainly in the brewing world, to read his first book, which is Brewing Up a Business. I have a second book now, I haven't read it yet, but his first book, Brewing Up a Business, is fantastic. Yes, I'm about halfway through it. I, I just got it uh, on Audible, and I was listening to it. Uh, yeah. I, I got about halfway through it, man. It's great, great so far. In very interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. Not, they moved down to Dogfish Head, Miami. Here, they moved down to Miami now. Yes, and, I heard you know, that. I've had the yeah, I've had the opportunity to have a couple beers with him now. You know, and he's as, as good as I thought he'd be. Really nice guy. Yeah, I hear that from a lot of people who have, who have met him and said he's a great yeah. guy. And speaking of of being a success, which which he is, hugely successful. Yes. How do you define success? And is there a moment that sticks out for you where you kind of like were in awe of how well things were going? 
Yeah, you know, I absolutely define success as the impact you're having on humanity, right? Right. Um, obviously, on my sense, it's on a small sense. You know, I have a couple spots in small neighborhoods and a big city, but, um, you know, it's definitely a small pond as opposed to someone who's national, say, Stan Calzone or anyone. Right. But, what you know, what impact are you making? If, if, if the beer you're making, if the events you're having are all derivative, everyone's done them already, you're not at anything, and you're just throwing it out there because you saw it work somewhere else, and, you know, maybe it'll bring in a couple bucks. That, that's, I mean, that's fine. I get it. You got to pay your bills and maybe you don't have the ability to be creative and to drive things. But success is waking up every morning, coming up with something creative from a genuine place where it feels right and contributing that to human consciousness, just creating great things. Right. That, that to me is how I define success. It, it might take a little, little longer to, to see those fruits of labor, fruits of that labor, but in the end it pays tenfold, but uh, anything basic and derivative will pay. And I really felt that that was the right path when we came and opened Strange Beast. When we came and opened Strange Beast and we got a little press because we had, a, Strange Beast was the second of our bars and we had a little bit of, you know, we had had some success in Lincoln's Beard and my regulars came over here and they saw what I was doing here and it was a totally different concept and they were, they were loving it. And, and you know, the fact that they had that confidence in me that they thought, this totally new concept was going to be just as good, albeit different. Was I mean, I went home about as proud as anyone could possibly be over there, right. uh, you know, back then. And that, that's when I knew my path and my direction was the right one. Right. Do you have that moment that kind of like stuck out to you for uh, Lincoln's beard? Was that like, like when you first opened, was there anything sure. that kind of stuck out and you sticks out in your mind now that kind of was like that, like you were in awe of what's happening? Yeah. You know, we have this, uh, we're going to switch it to an ice cream eating competition now that we have the ice cream shop. But we have a peanut, peanut butter and jelly eating competition every year. Um, although we, we missed it during COVID, but, right. um, it's called, it was called the Don't Be Jelly Fest and all the local breweries come and they, and it's a total, total shoot show. Right. Um, <laughs> it's, it's basically a, a professional wrestling event, you know, without the wrestling. Everyone's dressed up. Everyone's in costume. Everyone's in character. Everyone's roasting everyone. You know, and sitting back watching that go down and, and seeing the, you know, how much fun everyone's having, how genuine it was and, and how everyone was hugging and gripping and grinning and smiling. I was like, man, you know, I, this is a small part of this with me, but just being able to enable this, you know, I, I think we're doing something right. So that, that was definitely my aha moment at Lincoln's Beer for sure. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that's definitely a great feeling, probably bringing everybody together, yeah. just seeing a lot of smiles yes, and sir. laughs. It's, it's awesome. Yes, sir. And I know you're saying you're opening your, your fifth location now. Um, I'm sure it's a lot to deal with. I know you have a, a, a probably a great team around you that helps you go, yeah. to, to, you know, take some of that weight off. But how important is a mental break for you from everything? And what does that look like? Yeah. Yeah, I'll let you know when I find out. <laughs> <laughs> Just no, no. It's incredibly important, you know. You know, that, and that's, that I think has been my biggest challenge personally um, you know, when I worked for the government and I didn't really like my job, I would, you know, wake up every Sunday morning and homebrew. It was amazing. I loved it. It right. charged me. Now that I enjoy my job, I always want to do it. You know, I always, I want to, you know, even though I hate emails, I'll sit there, you know, 11 o'clock at night, and I just, you know, get on my phone, start checking some emails, responding to people, texting, you know, texting uh, my merch guy who makes a shirt, hey, I have this t-shirt idea. So finding that time to shut it off has been a challenge. You know, I think the closest thing to it has been going on walks with my dog. You know, I, I got a, 
I have this Apple Watch that, that a buddy of mine gave me that it has about two hours of battery life. So he's like, yeah, I know what to do with this thing. You want it? I was like, yeah, I'll take it. You know, and so I charge it up and I throw a couple songs and podcasts on there, a couple Blue World Order episodes, right? Nice, nice, nice. And, um, <laughs> and I walk around uh, and I walk around the block with my dog, you know, with no phone or anything. And I, I find that a, a huge recharge for me, for sure. Right. So... Yeah. In the last five years for you uh, in the industry, what do you think has been the biggest change? When I first got into this industry, there were two paths you can go. You can have the brew pub path, essentially, where you brew everything, you serve it in-house, and you hope you pack the doors, or you hope you, you get people in the doors. Right. And the other way to do it was to spend a lot of capital and to ultimately build a big distribution brewery. Um, I don't think that's the case anymore. I think as a as a small time guy, you gotta go that group up path. Um, or you gotta have just a massive, massive, massive amount of money and go large, large scale. You know, um, I don't think the ability to build from a small at least not in a major city, to build from a small distribution brewery to build to the point where you have a, a company that's valuable and generating substantial revenue. I, I, I just don't think that path there without a considerable amount of capital to go from grassroots to big. It, there's, it's so competitive. There are so, there's so many beers being distributed all over the country. COVID's really pushed back, but folks are just casting that much wider. Big prices have been driven down. Um, distributors, you know, they got to sell one beer so they can, you know, whereas before maybe they're carrying a couple Blondales. Now maybe they have eight, nine, ten Blondales. You know, if you don't have the marketing team to push your Blondale, you're going to get buried. So that, that to me, it, it's, it's really, really crushed the little guy in that sense. So, uh, you know, the luck of the draw, I, I opened with the brew pub model. I never really distributed. We distributed a lot for a small period of time. Or not a lot. Distributed locally a bit for a small period of time. But we've since gone away from that. You know, we just kind of got lucky having chosen that path. But that's, that's really what I would say is, is the tough part. Right. For sure. Yeah, man, for sure. Yeah. What was your gateway beer into the craft uh, beer world? No, that's a much easier question. So, yeah. my gateway beer, and I know it's not craft beer, but my gateway beer was certainly Newcastle. Newcastle. I used to drink a ton of Newcastle. <laughs> I didn't know any better, you know. I right. Budweiser probably brews it or something. Right. But I used to drink a ton of Newcastle, and I loved it. I'm like, oh, it was such a flavorful brown, brown ale, which I still think it is. Um, that ultimately led me... Uh, over to Fat Tire, and and ever since you know Fat Tire, I haven't since we built Fat Tire, I haven't looked back. You know, I've uh, which I guess isn't even craft anymore. It's owned by the Spanish company or something. But that was definitely the gateway. Uh, locally, locally, I'd say I used to be a huge fan of Pops Porter from Winwood Brewing here, which recently in the last few years actually sold to Anheuser Busch. So they brewed a great, great brewery. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It seems like all these all these gateway beers uh, into the craft beer world, they're all being bought out by huge, yeah. the big time, the big time companies, man. It's it's wild. They are, man. They are. It's yes, wild. Sir. But I mean, good for them. But you know, it's just yeah. it's just wild to see. Um, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And you've homebrewed. Uh, you brew. Um, what do you think? One, if you have one homebrewing tip to pass on, one. what would that homebrewing tip be? That's an easy one. Pitch more yeast. I don't care how much yeast you think you're pitching. Pitch more. Pitch more yeast. Um, if, 
Yeah, pitch more yeast. If you get if you can make a starter, always make a starter. If you can't make a starter, use dry yeast. That's that's absolutely it. And the one thing I'll say is, if you have a brewery near you, we yeast is very expensive. I don't know what a what a vial of yeast goes for nowadays, but I, nowadays, but I think I was paying six bucks eight years ago. You know, right? Um, it, we probably dump out who knows fifty pounds of yeast. In, in a week, maybe more. We're a small brewery. Right. You know, if you have a brewery near you and you like their beers, unless you're brewing something crazy like, Bel- you know, Belgians are, hit up that brewery and say, hey, listen, if I bring a mason jar by, you mind if I grab some of that yeast? And there's no doubt in my mind, any brewery's going to tell you, hell yeah. Because I'll tell you what, you know, back when I was in the brew house more, uh, or at all, now I don't even get in the brew house anymore, I'm going to walk it through it. Back when I was in the brew house more, I loved when people did that because, I felt bad, you know, I felt bad dumping out all this delicious, great yeast, you know? Right. So, yes, absolutely pitch more yeast, pitch healthier yeast. You know, yeast is the only thing that can make a bad recipe taste good, and it's the only thing that can make a good recipe taste like crap. Right. So, pitch more yeast. I don't, I don't know, uh, how many times you reuse yeast, or if you do. I do. Oh, you I do? do? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, that's, that's what somebody put me on to because, like, I, I never reused yeast when doing home brewing because it's like, you know, yeah. you're doing small ba- barrels. But I'm sure I'm, I've, I learned that, re- you know, you can use it over and over and over and over again. I'm like, oh, really? I, I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. Man, so how I would do it, how I would do it as a home brewer, so I had these speedo fermenters, right? So I'd rack my beer off and I would, whatever's left on the bottom there, I'd leave a little bit of beer in there. I'd shake it up and I'd pour it into a whole bunch. You know, I'd sanitize my hand, sanitize a bunch of mason jars, right. and I would just pour them all into mason jars. Put it in my fridge. It'll separate the camp and dump into the next batch. That's how I would always do it, and it always worked beautifully. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. Good tips, man. Thank you. And yes, uh, I, I know you said you have five separate shops open. You have Lincoln's Beard. You have uh, uh, yeah, Strange no Strange Beast. No, strange Beast. Say, say that. What's the what's the five? Oh, it's, uh, so I have Lincoln's Beard, Strange Beast, Pub and Pizzeria. I got Maxwell Brothers, which we call Maxwell Brothers Clothing Store. It's kind of like a very uh, soft uh, speakeasy, if you will. Right. Um, that's a Pub and Pizzeria. We have Crybaby Creamery, which is our uh, creamery and bakehouse, which is our ice cream and cookie shop. And then we got um, Thorn on the way. Thorn is a uh, it's going to be a cocktail bar, but we're going to be serving some. Uh, we serve some of our core beers, but also some doing some barrel aging there as well in beer. So yes, very cool, man. So what do you think? Uh, what do you think's next for? I can't even say your brewery. Um, what do you think's sure. the next venture, and what what does the future look like? I know you say you're doing a build out now. Is that is that basically where where we're going to, or is there more on the on the horizon? Yeah, I think there's definitely more on the horizon. I, I think the three the the three paths. For me that I'm going to be exploring. The first one is this full liquor concept, you know, the thorn, which is a big concept. It's going to take a lot of energy and a lot of time, my team and I. Uh, the second path is Crybaby, has, you know, Crybaby, our cream room bakehouse has been getting a lot of attention everywhere. Um, so I think there's going to be some growth in that, in that section, maybe some, uh, some additional locations, hopefully going statewide at some time in the next few years, which would be nice. Very cool. Um, yeah, and I think the third, the third thing um, is cannabis. Is the cannabis market? I, I feel like you know we're probably going to be recreational um, in 2022, or at least vote yes, which will probably be enacted in January of 23. 
So, you know, which I'm not going to say that's a substitute for alcohol, but many people are going to choose to, you know, dabble in that vice drink, you know, especially with a lot of the Gen Zers growing up in the next generation. Yes. Yeah. Frankly, it's a healthier alternative to alcohol, certainly in excess. And I think for those of us in the industry that, that want to have a long-term future, I think you, we just need to look, explore that. We need to at least look at that and see what, what that can, you know, aside from alcohol, you know, how we can leverage that to, to be a revenue stream. So that, that's certainly um, the third third area that, that I'm looking the, the area I'm showing the least amount of attention to, but certainly um, something that's on my, my radar. Awesome. Very cool yep. to see what, uh, what happens next. Yes, sir. So uh, if somebody had come to you, which I'm sure they do, and ask you for advice on opening their own brewery, what would you mm-hmm. tell them? Yeah, yeah. I would say, first thing I would say is everyone else is going to tell you not to do it. Don't do it. It's so <laughs> cliche to say that. I will say absolutely do it. I love my job. I love my life. It's going to be hard as hell, but anything done right is hard as hell. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I'd say take your time with it. Find the right location. Hook up with, with people like me that have been in the industry. I can connect you with good architects, good GCs, good commercial brokers, you know. But above all, what I always tell folks is before you start thinking about all your location and your building and all that, tell your loved ones, you know, if you're lucky enough to live with someone that supports you and loves you, whether it's a husband, wife, mother, whatever, tell them, I need a little space. This evening is going to be mine. Get in whatever creative mind, whatever mindset is your most creative. Maybe you drink a few whiskeys and you listen to some some J. Cole. You know, maybe you want to, you know, uh, enjoy some cannabis. Whatever, whatever puts you in the most creative mindset. Do that. Sit down in front of a computer for a couple hours, and without even worrying about punctuation or grammar or layout, write down every idea. Every concept, every operational philosophy, every personal philosophy that's related to that business you want to open on a word processor, on, on Microsoft Word or whatever your poison is. Right. Jump it on there. That's what I've always done. And the last time I did that, I got I got nine pages, single, single space. It was a total disaster. It didn't matter. I got nine pages, single wow. space. I went to bed, walked away from it. Week week later, I came back. And I deleted repetitive stuff. I put it in the proper format, the layout, whatever. And I had about six pages, double space. And that was the narrative to my business plan. Um, and it's a very liberating experience. It's not hard at all once you start it. And it is absolutely critical. And anyone that you're going to, whether it's an investor or someone that's going to be your mentor or whatever, if you don't have that, you're probably wasting their time. And they're probably not going to spend their time helping you or talking to you. So it's the right way to do things. And then you could take that. You could attach a, a project, a pro forma projection on there, what you think the business is going to make. And then that you could put that in investors' hands. You could put that in a bank's hands to try to, it's very difficult, but to try to get some startup money. You know, it's just something you've got to do. And, it, you know, yeah, it's book work. I get it. But it's going to be a lot easier than, than um, that whole process is going to be a lot easier when you have a guide to follow. Gotcha. You know, that, that's, that's absolutely yeah. the number one thing I tell people. And it's always beneficial. And I'll tell you this too, Mike, about 90% of people that come to me to ask me questions. And I say, Hey, listen, I want you to do this, do it over the next couple of weeks. Then, then send it to me so I can take a look at it. And then let's sit down and talk, man. I'll help you. I'll cut out time. You can come over my house. 90% of people I tell that to never get back to me. That's right. So if they're not willing <laughs> to sit down and put in the time to fill something out 
and to dig into their mind and their concept and hashing things out. Did I want to do that? Then it, it was all just a, it was all just a hobby. Just you know, just keep home going. Right. It's fun, which is great. Which you know? is great. It's yeah. Great. I love. I miss home going. You know. Yeah. So yep, that's it. Awesome. Basically, let the mind explode onto paper. Amen. Yeah. Absolutely. So important. Yeah. And uh, did you happen to have a funny story for us? Yes. You know, I think the funny, I'm sure I'm missing some great story. Lincoln's Beard is a very, very interesting place, as you've seen, Mike. You've been yeah. There. You know, we have a, we have a, a, our tagline there is get weird at the beard, and people definitely take that to heart. Yeah. So I'm, see- sure, I'm sure there's a million things. I've seen some but videos, I've seen some videos online, and it looks <laughs> like it gets pretty freaking wild in there, man. <laughs> it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. The funniest thing I think I've ever seen is one day, you know, we had never had a fight in Lincoln's Beard. We have very few scuffles there. Right. You know, sometimes we'll have arguments, but we just, you know, it's not a traditional bar where people are punching each other every night. <laughs> so, so one time I was, and I, I'm never there this late, but I was there. I passed by. I was totally sober, thankfully. I passed by to see how it was going. It was one of our karaoke nights. We closed at one. It was about 1240, 1245. And there was a young, a table of a, a couple young folks, maybe in their, mid twenties, maybe twenty, maybe early twenties. And it was like, I think it was like three couples. And one of the girls, she she was she was about the size of a penguin, man. Tiny little girl. Okay. She just so uh, one of my one of my um one of my bartenders goes, Hey Falco man, something's about to go down over there. I look over, she's getting up out of the chair. She's screaming at some other girl that's considerably bigger than her. She doesn't care, you know. She's screaming at this other girl uh, the guy, a guy gets in her way. He's like, hey, calm down. I get up to go walk over there. By the time I get over there, she sits down. I'm like, all right, we're good. Within five minutes, that same bartender looks at me and goes, uh-oh. And I look <laughs> over and I see this this little woman just throwing, throwing haymakers at, <laughs> at the other girl, right? <laughs> so fast forward, I get over there. I, we have a security guy. He comes over. And I'm, like, I'm like, these guys get it down out of here. We're closing anyway. Bye. You know, so he grabs them, takes them outside. I walk out with them to make sure they get home safe and whatnot. I get some Ubers and whatnot. Right. And they're waiting for the Uber. And the guy, which I assume was the boyfriend of, of the penguin here, <laughs> he grabs her. He grabs literally just holding her because she's going ballistic, like spitting and foaming at the mouth here. She's out of her mind. Right. And he just looks her in the eye and he tells her, he goes, babe. What are you doing that's positive right now? <laughs> and all I could think of is this guy doesn't understand how pissed this lady is. <laughs> like, who, look, who, look, who looks at someone that's throwing haymakers and goes, What are you doing that's positive? You know, it's not time to be a therapist. <laughs> so after that, we uh, we had the name of Paleo, What Are You Doing That's Positive? It was actually the lady <laughs> guy top. That's awesome. So that, that, that's probably the weirdest and funniest thing I've seen with my own eyes. That's uh, uh, kosher enough to talk about on, on a podcast. That's awesome. That's hilarious. What are you doing that's positive right now? Oh, what are you God. doing that's positive right now? Has this guy yeah. dated Has this guy dated a woman before? I don't think I so. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. The trigger's been, been, been pulled, my friend. Yeah. The bullet ain't going back in the gun. You might as well just tell her to relax or calm down. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's even worse. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Forget it. Oh, God. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Interesting, interesting. Yeah. So, I have a little segment, quick fire five, five quick questions, yeah. beer related. Do it. Ready? Yeah. Um, so, somebody comes into your brewery, what's one of the beers you recommend they try? 
Oh, right off the bat, you got to try Swayze. Unless, even if you tell me I hate IPAs, you got to try Swayze. Swayze is our house IPA, and it's, it's, it's kind of a legend. You know, it, it's not a hazy IPA. It's not really a West Coast. It's, you know, it's darker than most IPAs in the market, and it's dry. But it's just become, you know, and it's, it's actually, we've had it tested. It's 55 IBU. It's like 6.5%. It's basically a parallel, but it's been around for so many years. I brewed it in my garage. And folks just love it, you know. And I've brought it to beer festivals and and brewers from around the world. They're saying, oh, finally, you know, an IPA that that's that I could just sit and drink and relax. So it's just kind of a, a weird beer that, that doesn't really exist in the market. Um, and, you know, it's kind of widely loved. So Swayze for sure is the beer. P. Swayze, named after, of course, Patrick Swayze. Late um, who I agree, Patrick. Yeah, the late, the late Patrick Swayze, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, I can contest. It's a very delicious beer, man. Very good. Thank you. Thank um, you. I appreciate that, sir. Yeah, no problem. Uh, if you could collaborate with any other brewery on a beer, who would it be? Oh, it's definitely Dr. Shed. Oh. I know that's cliche after, after all the talks, but it would definitely, definitely be Dr. Shed. Yeah. I'd love that. And I'm going to make it happen. Yeah, make it happen, man. <laughs> Dream big, you know? Why not? Yes. Favorite style of beer? Ooh, favorite style of beer. You know, I love a dark German lager, like a Dunkel, uh, maybe even a Doppelbach if I'm feeling crazy, but a nice Dunkel sitting down. Oh, it's hard to beat that. It's right. hard to beat that. Barrel-aged, Imperial, or both? Ooh, definitely barrel-aged. Right. I love wood, man. Even, you know, even some of these, these beers that are just on wood and it's not even a whiskey barrel. It's just such a beautiful flavor. Cooking with it, drinking, drinking beer from it, right. wine, whiskey. I mean, come on. Yeah, love it. I love I love the barrel aged wines, man. They're they're so good. Yes. It's crazy, right? So good, so crazy, so, good. so smooth. Yeah. Um, and you have one keg of beer to hold you over for a two week quarantine. Which beer are you choosing? Oh my god! If I got a quarantine again, I'm I'm, I'm taking some high alcohol. I'm probably. <laughs> I think I'm going with. Uh, oh, I'm gonna go with a Belgian double. I'm gonna go Vestmal double. Which uh, I, I think it's up around nine percent ten or something, so that that should make me forget about the fact that I'm back in quarantine. So uh, <laughs> I think I'm going West Fall Double. It, it also drinks well with food, so that sounds good. That's the one. Perfect. Well, John, that's all I got for you, man. Cheers, man. It was an absolute pleasure talking to you, Mike, as usual. Yeah, as absolutely. Usual. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order Podcast here with John Falco, owner of Lincoln's Beard Brewing Company in Miami, Florida. Cheers, man. Thank <laughs> you. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to my interview with John Falco, owner of Lincoln's Beard Brewing Company in Miami, Florida. Whether you're passing through, you live in the area, or just visiting a friend nearby, you should definitely check them out. The artwork outside of the place is awesome, but the beer inside the place is even better. I know, I tasted it. My belly thanks me for it every day. Come to think of it, you should follow them on social media, because they're always posting silly stuff. That's what kept them relevant during COVID. Don't you remember? You just listened. Every other Sunday, I'll be releasing a new episode, so subscribe, and you'll never miss one. Also, check us out on social media, because I continue to do all types of weird stuff on there. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order Podcast. You stay safe out there.